From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Excellus Blue Cross and Blue Shield provided some statistics recently about falls, showing that one in four adults age 65 and older fell at least once in the last year, and that 40% of those who fell experienced an injury. Here to talk more in depth about falls is Dr. William Palo, an Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine, as well as an Associate Professor of Public Health and Preventive Medicine at Upstate. Welcome, Dr. Palo. Thanks for having me. Um, okay, so the survey about falls also said that falls are the leading cause of injury among New York adults age 65 and older, and that one in five falls cause serious harm, such as a broken bone or a head injury. Has that been your experience in the emergency department at Upstate? Uh, yeah, I believe it has. Um, when you look at older adults, um, older adults are much more prone to injure themselves from minor falls. Whereas when we look at younger adults who come and injured to the emergency department, you're looking at things like higher velocity impacts, so motor vehicle collisions, fall from height. Uh, often elderly individuals, those older than 65, we can see injuries just from falls from standing. So um, that Just from getting dizzy or something? Or, it can be from getting dizzy. It can or just be, stumbling. It can be from stumbling. Um, so there's a number of different factors when you get older that can contribute to the severity of a fall. So you tend to be put on more medications as you get older. So things like mm. anticoagulants, uh, you tend to have problems with bone density as you get older. So things like osteoporosis. So when you look at a young individual, say a 25-year-old who falls from standing, you may wind up with bruises and scrapes. When you come in and you're 70 years old and you have osteoporosis and you fall from standing, I worry about very different things. Things like hip fractures, even cervical spine fractures or neck fractures from just a minor fall from standing. In addition, if you're on medications that thin your blood, so if you're on Coumadin or any of the novel anticoagulants or even sometimes aspirin, I worry about bleeding even from a minor head injury. So very different spectrum of disease that we see in older individuals from even minor falls than we do in young individuals. And I bet recovery is different for the ages too. Absolutely. Because of those same factors that we talked about, comorbidity, what I mean by that is other diseases associated with um, that age group. So whether or not we're talking about a concomitant COPD or somebody has a heart condition or a heart valve and has to take an anticoagulant, all of those things contribute to making recovery more difficult. The more concomitant disease you have, the harder it is to recover in the long run. Okay. So um, what do emergency providers need to be considering when they see a patient of any age who's fallen? Like what are the types of questions? Sure. So we kind of break it down into different parts of the body. So when you fall, one of the things you're always going to be asked is about your head first. So we're gonna start asking you questions regarding your brain. We're going to ask you questions like, did you lose consciousness? Were you awake the whole time? And do you remember the event? In addition, if you don't, we like to have somebody who was there, maybe that witnessed it, that can tell us how you fell and why you fell. Because some people might not remember if they lost or no, right? And you can that can be either because they passed out, which was the reason that they they fell, or because they hit their head and they're now amnestic to the fall. So amnestic, we try to, am, amnestic is uh, no memory of the no event. memory. Okay. So from a concussion, by way of example, what we're trying to tease out in essence is: Did you fall because you slipped and stumbled, which makes us think about one thing, or did you fall because you passed out, which brings us down a whole different pathway uh, of of issues? So we're teasing that out with some questions: Do you remember the event? Did you? feel your heart racing before? Did you feel like someone who's pulling curtains across your eyes? And then afterwards, we're then asking about that consequence. Did you hit your head 
Are you on a blood thinner? Do you remember? Do you have a headache now? Have you been vomiting since then? Did somebody say you look like you had a seizure when you fell? We also think about seizures, so that's going to come into play as well. Then after we move away from the head, we start asking you questions about the rest, the consequences of the rest of it. Did you fall on an outstretched hand and now you have wrist pain? Did you fall onto your right side and now you're having trouble moving your hip and you're having pain in your, in your groin area to suggest a hip fracture? So we kind of tease out the different things that you might do. Now, when we're subdividing again into young people, we start thinking about some higher impact requires, so more velocity, more force requires to damage bone, damage tissue. When you're older, even falls from standing make me worry. A young person, I might, I worry a lot. You fall off a ladder, you fall off your height from a ladder. If you're six feet tall, you fall off a six foot ladder. I worry a great deal about you. Um, it doesn't mean I don't worry about it if you fell off a four foot ladder. It just means that that kind of velocity is typically required in a young, healthy individual. An older individual, fall from standing can break a hip, can cause a cervical spine fracture. So I'm teasing it out based upon where you live in your age group and how much your bone density or how I'm predicting your bone density to be. Does your, um, does the patient's size matter too? If someone's sort of heavy, is um, that... In some ways, yeah. Actually, it, kind of the opposite of that sometimes. Because when you look at a body type that's associated with low bone density, an elderly, frail, skinny female actually makes me think a lot about poor bone density. Sometimes that can happen in, uh, so when we're looking at overweight individuals, we will worry about poor, more, uh, poor mobility, and that can come with deconditioning. And then when we're talking about recovery, I worry about recovery because that poor muscle function that may come from deconditioning uh, and being overweight, I kind of worry about uh, the recovery in the long run. But when we're looking at the type of person that you look at that would remind you of somebody who could break something very quickly from a simple fall, a kind of a, a, a skinny individual who's elderly, we think about low bone density because that's classically associated with osteoporosis. So you basically have to find out if the fall is the thing or if it's a symptom right. of the thing, that's right. something more serious. Right. So when we look at it, we're kind of subdividing it to two things. We're looking at what caused the fall and then consequences of the fall. What caused the fall can be anything, like I said, from passing out. And that has a whole big another discussion to have of what caused passing out, most of which are benign, some of which are very serious, versus tripped and fall, stumbled, fell. Um, by way of example, we see individuals who uh, are uh, nursing home care or... Um, potentially have some mobility issues and they need some help getting around, transferring from one to the other, going from a bed to a bed pan, going from a bed to uh, get up and walking. So um, getting out of a wheelchair into a chair, we see falls from those kind of movements too, those complex movements that are uh, require other individuals to help them. It sounds a lot more complicated than just saying, you know, a fall. It seems like a, that'd be an open and shut thing, but... Obviously, it's not. Now, when you talk about frail individuals and a fall, mm -hmm. a simple fall, turning into a broken hip or something, talk to me a little bit about what that might mean for the patient individually, because that's often the beginning of a long process, right? Sure. Um, hip fractures, by way of example, are not a monolithic entity. There's multiple different types of hip fractures, and there's some that need surgery, some that do not. But regardless of whether or not this is a surgical hip fracture or a non-surgical hip fracture or a pelvic fracture, by way of example, whether you're having surgery or whether you're not having surgery, um, this is going to necessitate a rehab process and a getting used to where you are now process, which is going to be a long recovery period. Um, whether or not you've just had surgery and you've gotten your you've gotten a, um, a prosthesis or somebody has put a, a rod into your bone to fix a fracture or whether or not you were told that this is a non-operative fracture and nobody needed to have surgery, you're still gonna need rehab 
getting used to walking again and it's a protracted process to afterwards. let the bones heal to let the bones whatever. heal and then if it's not just letting the bones heal it's then developing the muscle strength around to make up for the fractured bone uh, so it requires a good physical therapist a social worker and the kind of long-term uh, care afterwards it's not necessarily that you wind up in long-term care but it's certainly a protracted recovery when we're compared to some other injuries regardless of whether or not you've had surgery or not and then again like you mentioned there may be other comorbidities other uh, issues that a person has underlying aside from the fall and the fracture and Correct. everything so all right. Well, uh, uh, this is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. William Palo, a doctor of emergency medicine at Upstate University Hospital. Um, what are some of the conditions that make people over age 65 prone to falls? Now, I know we mentioned they could be on a bunch of different medications that sure. have different effects, but are there other things that... Um... Sure. Let's start with medications since you brought that up. One of the things that we see, when you get older, a lot of individuals have high blood pressure. So we give medications to regulate blood pressure. And one of the things that can do as well, since we're regulating blood pressure, trying to reduce blood pressure, that can come with reducing blood pressure in situations where it might not be called for. Too much. So, too mu Well, not too much, positional. So mm. what you can get is something called orthostatic hypotension with a number of the medications that we give individuals. What that is, is you lay down and your brain gets used to a certain blood pressure in that laid and down position. What you're used to afterwards is just getting up and going about your day. What can happen is you get up and you're not able, because of the medications we give you, to compensate for the sudden change in gravity to your brain. Your brain doesn't get enough oxygen. Your brain is very smart and says, I'm not getting enough oxygen. It's probably because of this gravity. We shouldn't fight it anymore, so let's lay down. And sometimes that happens forcefully. So in addition to the medications, as you get older, your nervous system changes. So we see some changes in individuals, and we look around 50% of individuals over the age of 65 without any medications have this same kind of condition where they get lightheaded and dizzy from going from laying down or seated to standing quickly. So one of the things to mitigate for that is to take your time when getting up and allow yourself to acclimate to each new position. Um, so that's one of the things we see. Also, as you get older, you potentially have things like stroke, um, potentially other comorbidity that may make it more difficult for you to navigate yourself in space. Some people actually have poor night vision as they get older, so walking around at night, we see frequent falls and stumbles at night, uh, falling downstairs from being unable to kind of situate yourself. And your ability to kind of tell where your leg is in space and where you are in space, what we call proprioception, can also be diminished as you get older as well. So those types of things combine with any of the number of comorbidities of getting older, whether it's not a previous stroke, uh, weakness, deconditioning, can also result in falls, mechanical or otherwise. We've had other guests on that have talked about some of like the household hazards too, you know, throw sure. rugs or whatever. So yeah. there's environmental, I guess, issues as well. Um, are falls seasonal? Do you see sort of a spike depending on the time of year in the emergency department? Or I would say the types of falls are seasonal. Um, so by way of example, in the summertime, we see a lot of falls off of ladders because a lot more individuals are going out and doing things around their house and, and uh, painting and whatnot. We see falls off of roofs more uh, in the summertime. We do see falls off roofs in wintertime for people who still go out and try to get snow They'll off their the roof. Snow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll fall off the roof. In the wintertime, the type of falls we see tend to be, uh, in addition to the standard falls that we see, we see a lot of falls on ice, a lot of mechanical falls outside of the home from uh, ice that wasn't seen or from a snow patch that, that one falls in. So it it's... We see falls year-round, uh, but often I can kind of predict what the fall is from based upon the, the year. Uh, I mean, the type of the, 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 the season of the, the year. The time of the season. Yeah. So if there's a big ice storm, do you sort of know or expect that you're likely to get? Yeah. Okay. We see and uh, going to the car. You go, you, your car's in the driveway. You've, you've snow-blowed your, uh, your driveway, and still underneath that, 
is that layer of ice that the snowblower won't get and you go out to your car and you slip and you fall on your way out to the car. So yeah, we certainly expect that, particularly living in a climate like this in the winter. Well, taking this from a patient's point of view, if a patient, if someone falls, how do they know if they need to go to the emergency department? Sure. So again, subdividing them to the way we did, we're looking at consequence of fall and, and reason for fall. So let's do that first. So okay. reason for fall, if you tripped and fell, you're a young individual and you have no pain and you just, I don't know that you have any reason to come to the emergency department. If you're a young individual and you potentially passed out, uh, and you don't have a long history of passing out. You didn't have a good reason to pass out. It wasn't because you saw blood. It wasn't because you felt like you had to urinate or, or what have you. Then we kind of maybe start worrying about you a little bit. Maybe you want to come see us. Um, older individuals who pass out, we always want to see. You should always come to the emergency department. If you've passed out and you're over the age of 65, I think that necessitates an emergency department visit. Um, once we've subdivided for causes, then we're looking at consequences. So... Anybody who's on a blood thinner that falls should probably come to the emergency department or their primary care provider to be checked out. Urgent care, emergency department, just a physician uh, if you're on a blood thinner. The rates of having bleeding into your brain or bleeding um, into your uh, from the fall, even after a minor fall, is much, much higher if you're on something like Coumadin or Rivaroxaban or Plavix or any of these medications. So we usually want to see those people. I would tell you invariably you should come to the emergency department for that. Afterwards, then you're asking yourself, did I hit my head? Did I lose consciousness? Do I remember the events? Okay, I'm not worried about my brain potentially. Um, do I have pain in a joint? Do I have pain in my hip? Do I have pain in my wrist when I fell out onto my hand and I tried to brace my fall? Once you're looking at your kind of risk stratifying yourself, saying, did I have a dangerous type of fall? Um, anytime you fall greater than your height, you should probably come to the emergency department to be seen. Then you start asking yourself, do I have some of these other sequelae, in other words, consequences of the fall? Did I fall off a ladder onto my butt? Now I have some numbness going down one of my legs and I'm worried about my back. Did I fall onto my feet and now it hurts to step and I'm worried about my heels? Um, so those types of things we want to look out for. Once you've kind of said it's no longer a dangerous fall, but the consequences of the fall I'm concerned about, whether it's my wrist, my hip, my, my spine, or my head, I think then you want to come to the emergency department. Minor slip and fall, young individuals get up and you walk and you walk it off like you did when you were in high school. I think that's totally fine. I can probably do that. Yeah. Um, once they're at the emergency department, mm -hmm. um, can you do, can you take care of them in the emergency department in terms of casting and if they need sure. a cast or if they, yeah. Um, so, you come to the emergency department like Upstate, you have a number of different services, right? We have orthopedics on hand. We have emergency providers on hand. Uh, so you have all of those services here. But even if you go to your local area hospital, your emergency department provider, uh, emergency physicians are trained to do all of this. Um, so you have, we're trained to reduce fractures. We're trained if you had a dislocation to put those back in and then splint you and then send you out to see an orthopedist for follow-up. But yeah, in the emergency department, you can expect to have all your lacerations cared for, your skin tears cared for, your concussion cared for, um, and all of the care that you would need for your fall to be taken care of in the emergency department. Uh, you know, the benefit of a place like Upstate, which is a tertiary care facility, is you have orthopedists in the hospital all the time and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Not every hospital has that luxury because of where they are. But what was wonderful about the specialty of emergency medicine is that we can take care of any of your problems, regardless of your age or presenting complaint. Well, terrific. This has been very good advice. My guest has been emergency medicine specialist, Dr. William Palo from Upstate's Department of Emergency Medicine. I'm Amber Smith for the podcast and talk show produced by Upstate HealthLink on air.